In this episode of the Gamer Life Show, I talk about the games that I'm playing and why Xbox Game Pass is perhaps one of the most unique um, deals in gaming. Stay tuned. Welcome to another The Gamer Life Show. I'm your editor-in-chief, Elijah Murray, for thekingslayer.com. So, today I wanted to start off the podcast a little different. I usually don't talk about the games that I'm playing, and I figured this podcast would be a great way to uh, enter into that conversation. So for the past week, I have been playing Devil May Cry 5 on the Xbox One. And I've been doing so through Microsoft's Xbox Game Pass. And I have to say that it's one of the best gaming services to come out in a long, long time. And it's not so much um, a knock against any other type of service out there, whether it be Steam or um, PS Now or even the old um, games of summer um, that Microsoft used to do on the Xbox 360. In fact, I think what I and many other people who enjoy Game Pass have come to like about Game Pass is its accessibility to a myriad of different games. Um, In fact, I have tons of indie games and obscure titles that most people wouldn't play unless there was a big marketing budget behind it. Devil May Cry 5 fits in a different type of mode because obviously it comes from a company and a third party developer like Capcom who is one of my favorite developers of all time. And they have just an incredible storied past and history um, and hopefully bright future in gaming. But it's one of the few games that is um, on the platform and on the service via third party um, deal. Um, Apparently, uh, I guess Microsoft, the word in the street is that Microsoft paid about 17 million dollars for the rights to have uh, Devil May Cry 5 on the system. We'll be back with more of the Game of Life show podcast. Financially, thinking about that number of 17 million that Microsoft may have spent on acquiring Devil May Cry, you have to think about the past several years and what exclusive content has meant in the conversation around the Xbox and Microsoft um, initiative in terms of 
its rivalry with the Sony PlayStation 4 and how the centerpiece of conversation after the initial conversation of power and how powerful a console was and whether or not 1080p and 60 frames per second or 30 frames per second was the benchmark, uh, you know, and then getting to the subsequent release of the Xbox One X and the focus being on games, games, games across a lot of the conversational media. One would think that acquiring Devil May Cry 5 in such a manner for Game Pass would be the wrong thing. And it would be that Microsoft hadn't, you know, really turned a new leaf and that they could have perhaps spent that money on creating um, exclusive games. And if Microsoft did not have Game Pass, the legitimacy of that argument could well indeed be on some on the face of it I should say have some merit but it loses its steam and pun intended it loses any type of value because Game Pass is a discovery platform it is the for lack of a better term the A&R box for gaming as the A&R box in the music industry used to be for new demos and new artists to be listened to by A&Rs. Instead, the curation process is handled by us gamers. And in a funny sort of way, Devil May Cry 5 falls into that category. And again, going back to the fact that Capcom is well known and Devil May Cry is a storied franchise, Still, in and of itself, it needed its own level of discoverability, even though the game really brought the series back into the forefront and, and people loved it. But for many people like myself who wanted to get to the game when they got to the game, it, it, it kind of um, put itself back in, our, in, in, in my, in my um, radar. But it did so in a way where the creation of games on Game Pass is the total sum of its parts, right? Meaning that I didn't forego certain games like Celeste or Cuphead or Ori and the Blind Forest or other titles within the ecosystem to say, okay, well, this is the only game I'm playing. In fact, there are several games I, I can't name off the top of my head right now. Um, I will before the end of this podcast, but there were brand new games that I would not have tried otherwise. And I and I and I put Devil May Cry 5 in that mix. What's been fun about Devil May Cry though is the fact that the game feels fresh, especially when you play with a character like V, um, who is the alter ego of Virgil who is Dante's brother, for those of you who um, don't know um, the series or, or wanna know a little bit of backstory behind uh, what Devil May Cry 5 is about. Um, and it's a fantastic looking game. I, I tend to play my game 
on the base Xbox One. Um, I haven't seen fit to invest in an Xbox One X yet, or for that matter, um, a, a high-powered PC. I'm really looking at next generation to do so. Um, I'm even looking at the PlayStation 5 um, a little bit more than I am looking forward to the Xbox platforms. And, and that mainly has to do with the fact that if Sony does what it should do, which is offer backwards compatibility, then a lot of games that I missed during the PlayStation 3 era and for most of the PlayStation 4 era, I'll be able to dig into those uh, exclusive games. And I, I think that'll take up most of my time in the beginning of the generation. Um, but things can change and I'll probably pick up an Xbox Scarlet along the way during a generation as early as possible and also maybe an Xbox One X but I at this point in time I foresee myself really um, picking up a PlayStation 5 and digging into the library that I missed out on for the most part and that isn't to uh, dismiss um, the Xbox platform in any way it's just that with Game Pass I'm so excited about the potential of really games that don't get a lot of shine. And for me, that's what really Game Pass is all about. Um, at first, I was going to make this uh, a, a, a referendum on um, single player versus multiplayer games. And, I, and I, the more I thought about this podcast, the more I said to myself, no, look, Game Pass makes the idea, especially for an Xbox platform, the idea of single player and multiplayer, um, the, that discussion that makes it mute. If in fact, I'm so curious as to see what the coalition will do and has done with Gears of War 5, because I think Gears of War 5, which comes out next week, is a pinnacle game not for the Xbox One as an exclusive but for why and whether or not Game Pass is a viable service. And, and think about that. You know, for most people, exclusive games has driven this conversation. And like I said before, it, it would be even more so for Microsoft had it not been for Game Pass. But Game Pass gives the Xbox platforms and the, the PC platform, an entirely different complexion. It, it, it does this in a way that Netflix does for movies or Disney Plus will do for Disney and Marvel movies and Marvel cinematic shows and, and, and just content in general. It gives a, a sensibility of ownership that Microsoft has no choice but to steward. And, it, and, and it's outside of what it does and how it competes with its rivals. And I think that is something that internally they may be aware of. And, I, and, and, it's, and it's fascinating to say that because I don't look at Devil May Cry 5 as a separate entity. I don't look at it as a, oh, wow, Microsoft got uh, Devil May Cry to be exclusive. No, I look at it as, wow, Devil May Cry is on Game Pass. That's cool for me to download today and play. And it's the reason why I'm trying to get it finished with the game as soon as possible so that I can jump into other games. There is a binge quality to playing and, 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 and being on Xbox Game Pass, right? I, I think to say that 
excites Microsoft. If if you were, if 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 more gamers felt the way that I did, where you want to get past one Game Pass game to get to another Game Pass game, I think that gives it a viability of ownership to keep paying a subscription price for it. And that is the beauty coming from someone who, for the most of this generation, I've waited to jump into games i i haven't been um as eager to jump in in games on at day one i've i've been relatively content with sitting back and 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 playing my games that i enjoy um for the sake of enjoyment without feeling the rush or the push to join a bandwagon and game pass is for me the binge gamer it's 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 for me the guy who's going to play that obscure game that's not going to be on a top stream on twitch or mixer right i'm, I'm going to be the game that you go at least five levels down <laughs> to find out who the hell is playing these games um but that's the beauty and i think i'll get into streaming in, in another podcast but i think that game pass and Mixer are perhaps two of the most incredibly sharp and astute acquisitions and programs that Microsoft has initiated in the past uh, four years. I really believe that because they give gaming on any platform, but specifically on the Xbox platform, a very different complexion. It almost makes it seem as if if you are talking about exclusive games for Microsoft, you are almost a dinosaur with that conversation because there's something very special. And I'm not saying because from a fanboy perspective or even against fanboys or anything like that or against critics or, or even media. I'm saying it from the standpoint of if you could watch on Netflix and you can a bunch of Dave Chappelle specials and then from there jump into um, Lost in Space and then from there jump into uh, a, a, a series like Voltron and then from there Castlevania and then from there um, uh, 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 another action movie per se on Netflix. The identity of it becomes you're almost a programmed programming environment where your content is curated by you. And I've said this before in, the, in this early in this podcast, but that's what Game Pass feels like. It's like I have a library of games that I need to get to. I'm not worried about what everybody else is watching. I'm not worried about what everybody else is playing. I'm worried about getting through the content that I want to get through that stimulates me and that is the magic of game pass not just the price point but the magic of it is getting to games at your own pace allows for 
time to go by and for you to play it at your whim, the games that you're looking to get into. And what happens within that time is the discovery process, as I have said before. The discovery process takes you down this rabbit hole of wanting to check out the latest obscure title that may come from indie developer 3895 Boogie. You know, I'm just making up a a, a third-party developer just for uh, sake of this podcast to get to a point. And that point is that you can see where Microsoft and indies and even mid-majors and developers like a THQ Nordic could find themselves in a very profitable place versus an EA or an Ubisoft who are creating their own streaming services, right? If you are the type of publisher who's looking to acquire new gamers for your games and you're not as well known as these larger publishers, Game Pass is a treasure trove. Is a treasure trove of audience, is a treasure trove of feedback, it is a treasure trove of marketing, right? Because now you have a service in Game Pass which allows you to focus your marketing on acquisition of users. And in that regard and in that respect, Game Pass moves past just Microsoft having to think of AAA exclusive games. But in fact, it makes you think about games in a much more sequential as opposed to linear um, um, mindset. The big games like the Gears of War 5, they solidify that you have to be on this particular service to enjoy what you're going to enjoy, right? And if the coalition does its job, then Gears of War 5 becomes a huge tentpole title for Microsoft to hang on their heads. And in fact, when you discuss this and you think about it further and you stand around a cooler um, and a campfire and back to school next week, right? Gears of War 5, if the game is as good as early reviews of saying, it becomes a conversation piece that linchpins to people saying, hey, did you check out this other game? Yeah, man, I had really a good time with Gears of War 5. I didn't finish it yet, but I'm looking to get into doing that. But also, hey, did you check out that new shooter? Yeah, I did. What's the name of it again? Oh, man, it was about maybe four or five. The the, the rabbit hole conversation comes out. And, and that's what Game Pass is really, really, really a genuinely dope service. And I don't want to sing the praises of Microsoft too high but because I I also agree with many other people that this generation could have been a little bit smarter could have been a little bit more strategic in the way that messaging went out and the way that um, console exclusives were acquired or even um, pushed out right I I think that I think that you know hardware um, also may have been an issue along with image but I think that I think that for all intents and purposes, Microsoft wanted to focus on the next generation, and in doing so, they focused on services like Game Pass um, programs and like uh, acquisitions like Mac Mixer, which um, actually make up for everything else. 
and it may not make sense in that regard if you've been looking for exclusive games to play on your Xbox One, but it makes sense from a standpoint of how do you reset this entire program? How do you reset the brand image? How do you reset what gaming on an Xbox platform means? How do you how do you reach gamers in a different and new way? How do you make yourself profitable when you're losing at least two to one versus um, your competitor in terms of hardware sales, right? This entire reset has been done in such an elaborate and focused way that, and for all intents and purposes, Microsoft didn't lose, they learned. If you think that they lost this generation, you have to look at Game Pass and you have to look at Mixer as these are tools that have allowed them to not only learn, but they go into the next generation strong. And it doesn't matter if it's xCloud, and it doesn't matter if the conversation is still about exclusives. The fact that these two things exist, one for streaming and one for curated content, makes the Xbox platform such a viable experience. And for the, the cost of it, it makes it an affordable and a sensible purchase in your library of games that you want to be able to get or even access a platform. And, and, and then you get the hardware. So it makes it attractive from an entire ecosystem. And I think that's where I want to get to and end this podcast. I want to say that Game Pass is has created an ecosystem for Microsoft that if they shape it right, it doesn't matter what everybody else does. It just matters if you can fill the void. And that's what uh, uh, Devil May Cry 5 did for me. It filled the void and allowed other games to get into that void and become this holy mix of, again, binge gaming that I'm on right now. Um, and I'm doing it again at my own pace. Um, my life isn't sacrificed um, whether or not I have to finish this game today. No, I, so long as I'm paying my subscription and so long as that game is in the, the, the Q library of Game Pass, I'm going to get to enjoy it and really dig into it because I know that there are other games I got to get to. And I don't want to sound redundant about that, but the beauty of Game Pass is the fact that it exists. And I think that is what will propel Microsoft beyond whether or not hardware sales or cloud succeeds. It's whether or not Game Pass succeeds. And where Game Pass goes, I believe, is where Microsoft and Xbox platform goes. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Game of Life show hosted by me, Elijah Kingslayer, editor-in-chief of thekingslayer.com. Have a great one, guys. Bye.